and welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week, we are talking Captain Captain Marvel. Marvel. Random guy on Instagram. I did not forget to say it at the same time as her this time. I know. Which, P.S., if you follow us on the Instas, um, there were some haters recently. Um, Telling you right now, haters get blocked. Mm -hmm. Get blocked. Blocked. And can I just put it out there? N-word gets blocked. Um, Any hate speech yeah. gets blocked, especially now that we're getting into some really exciting, um, very inclusive movies. Uh, like This should be normal, but it's still not normal. Yeah. It's not accepted. But I will say, if somebody comes in with a sense of humor, I kind of have fun playing back with them. Like, I don't know. Well, what, I, what I'm specifically referencing is we did our Valentine's video, right? Yes. And uh, I'm just naturally who I am, good and bad. <laughs> um, and you introduce it, and apparently it looked like I was about to introduce it, and this guy was like, you know, you can tell he was going to do it at the same time, but he wussied out, and he didn't use the word wussy. Well, uh huh. Yeah, and I just responded with, "Nope, I'm just naturally awkward, and I lean into it." So I had fun with that one. I get that, but my problem is fine if you're gonna use the word "wussy," but not. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I will say to that: Then you should take it as a compliment and be like, "Yeah, really strong and flexible. Thank you so much." <laughs> but also on the flip side, like that was hateful, and I'm glad you're the one who responded because I would have been like, "You've been blocked." Mm-hmm. Insta-block. I mean, I think if we're going to put ourselves out there on the internet, like everybody does regardless of what they're doing now because we're all on Facebook or Twitter well, or we Instagram. We really don't have the choice. Yeah. Yeah. The internet is not a luxury anymore. No. But what I was going to say is that I think that there's a degree where you do have to kind of take it with a sense of humor. Yes and no. Because one thing that we have made a choice of, for those of you who know us personally... This podcast is super clean. <laughs> ish. It's cleanish. The, the the rule is if you can hear it on primetime TV, you can hear it here. Correct. Yeah. And um, I would say kind of our budding audience right now is like 16 to 25. So, I'd say so. youthful. Um, and I don't want to encourage audiences of that's how you can converse with people mm-hmm. and that guy could have could have chosen a different word to rag on you instead he chose that word haters get blocked uh, i mean you are correct i do think that there's sometimes where you just have to accept it and move on i disagree but we're going to agree to disagree because i wholeheartedly disagree with because you. we haven't even started talking about the movie yet True statement. But now you know where we stand on social issues. Yes, we've gotten that out of the way. I guarantee you it's going to come back up at some point in this episode. That's fair. Um, But we are speaking Captain Marvel starring Brie Larson, Mm -hmm. Jude Law. um, Samuel L. Jackson and Annette Bening. uh Uh-huh. And everybody gloriously Ben Mendelsohn, who was great behind makeup. Really good. Yeah. That makeup was insane. Yeah. Yeah, the te- on a technical level, this movie was like on point. Yes, and um, 
Ben Mendelsohn played a scroll, um, and a, a friend of mine, Amy's, Amy Sturdivant, mm-hmm. was a stunt scroll. It's actually very difficult to put all those words together. <laughs> and uh, she posted on her personal Facebook um, the mask that they had, mm-hmm. and it, was, it looked as if it was like a foam latex thing so getting that to one it has to be incredible makeup to get the amount of flexibility and emotion from the makeup that they did um but like you mentioned um and if you have listened to our character our creature actor episodes with brian with alex that you'll probably have heard from them that acting with all of that on mm-hmm. really is not easy so yeah hats off to uh, ben Mendelssohn for doing such a great job but also that makeup yeah and it, foam latex is thick it looked like um did you have you ever seen it's on all over youtube you can find it the original test footage of the green goblin for uh the toby Maguire spider-man I don't think I've seen it. So basically, they hired Amalgamated Dynamics, who, uh, you know, they did Alien 3. Um, They were supposed to do the Thing sequel slash remake, but then it got pasted all over with Resident Evil 2 level graphics. Mm. Um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, but so they got hired to do this. And they did such a good job on it that uh, Sam Raimi, the director, was like, honestly... It looks too good. I don't think it's believable. He said about a movie with a swinging Spider-Man. Um, uh. But uh, but yeah, like when if you go and watch it, I I didn't see if Amalgamated Dynamics had anything to do with this movie, but it looked like mm-hmm. it was very similar to that design because like you know that was almost twenty years ago at this point. Yeah. And like you know he was able to smile, he was able to frown, yeah. he was able to emote with his eyes, well, which these guys were able to do too. Yeah. Well, this I mean, if it, that was twenty years ago, the technology has continued to come a long way. Yeah. Uh, foam latex used to be really, really thick and non-breathable. Mm-hmm. Um, and these were obviously not as thick. And looking at Amy's, um, she wore like like this head mask. Mm-hmm. So they like put it on, they like stretched it and then put it on like the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, so it was really, it was really impressive and, and they allowed people to have kind of their own personalities. Um, it was cool. Yeah. No, I mean, from a technical standpoint, this movie was just on point. I agree. Uh, real quick, do we want to introduce the drink of the podcast? Uh, May I say that in quotes today? Yes. So today, um, so this movie is set in the 1990s. I think 93, 94. I did, the, I did, was doing the math and based upon like some of the references that they had in there, um, I think it was 95. But they said it was 89 was the crash. Right, and so that was six years later. Oh, it was 85 then. Yeah, and also, like, whenever she first crashes through the blockbuster, and, like, one of the big cutouts they have is True Lies, that was a summer of 94 movie, so it would have gotten, mm. it would have been the big movie to rent in uh, 1995. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I guess, how do we want to rate this Oh, we haven't done done the drink of the podcast. Oh, drink of the podcast, yeah. Is Uh Surge. Surge, which they still make. They have it in gas stations here in the Atlanta area. I had one recently, and I am no longer a child, apparently, (laughs) because I did not just love it. I never really liked it. I remember having one. I remember it not tasting like anything but pure adrenaline. Um, but because we are responsible people and, and love our bodies. And we're no longer the age where we go play laser tag on Saturdays. Correct. We play it on Mondays. Because you guys have school and we don't. Although it's spring break. It is spring we break. We were, the theater was full of children. Which is always nice. Uh, we have tea. 
So yes, we're drinking tea cheers. today. It's also really still rainy. Cheers. We also don't have much alcohol in the house. And since uh, we started filming this with a video camera, we may turn it back on later on. But we were like, no, we can't lie about the drink of the podcast. We just have to be honest. <laughs> we have to be honest. Um, and the dog of the podcast is Charlie. Yeah, Charlie is uh, sitting here by the door on the towel that I have laid out, bummed out that we're not letting him go outside because it's raining and he doesn't want to go out there anyway. I know. We're going to open it and he's going to be like, never mind. He's really bummed. Um, Charlie is definitely uh, my my animal of spending a lot of time outside. Mm-hmm. And with, um, well, I guess most of the country, I mean, Los Angeles, it's hailing in L.A. today. I know. Well, considering that it was snowing like three weeks ago. Yeah. And in Atlanta, it's just been raining. Yeah. The Bible Belt in general has gotten uh, just water. Hammered. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we're... We we continue to be traveling a lot, and the weather is crap. So the tea is very warm and welcome, and Charlie is really, really not pleased with anything that's going on in his dog life right now. But if you are playing the, the drink of the podcast game with us, then uh, go find some Surge. If they don't sell Surge in your area, uh, I think get some Mountain Dew Mountain and put some Dew gasoline in it. Mountain. <laughs> wow, that was hateful. Um, Mountain. <laughs> Mountain Dew does also have uh, their own version of an energy drink. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, when I managed the music store in Tennessee, their representatives came by and gave us like three cases of it. Uh, and that was pretty cool. But again, I am older and wiser now. True statement. So how do we want to rate Captain Marvel? <sighs> hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. Airplanes. Airplanes. Okay, that's fine. Like like F eighteen fighter jets. Or? Yeah. All right. Uh, I think I went last. I went first for Aquaman, which did was you? last episode. Oh. But well, besides the Jess on a plane. Jess on a plane. Um. I did lots of ratings for that. Yes, you did. Um. Okay, I'll go first. Uh-huh. I'm gonna give this. Oh gosh, my gut says three and a half. I was thinking like maybe up to four, but at least the three and three quarters. Yeah. Um. W- I liked this movie. I did too. I I thought I enjoyed it more than I did Aquaman. Oh, I enjoyed this a lot more than Aquaman. Yeah, and and you know we're both we were talking about today. Aquaman's still pretty like pretty good on our ratings. Like it hasn't really gone down. Like we still enjoy it. Yes, I yeah. My rating of it isn't gone down. Um, I'm being I think I'm being cautious because this is a superhero movie. But tell me why yours is three and a half, three and a quarter. Okay, well uh, for one thing. I, uh, like I said, technically this movie is just on point. You know, the, the special effects were great. Um, they, one, one of the first things I mentioned to you in the theater was, uh, they digitally de-aged Samuel L. Jackson and Clark Gregg. Uh, and there was no uncanny valley to it at all. Like in, I remember in, uh, Captain America Civil War, they had the scene in there where like Tony Stark is introducing like the technology to go back and relive memories and it shows like a younger version of him and it didn't look like it looked cool until you took like a second look at it and it yeah. looked kind of uncanny valley there was no uncanny valley with that i was amazed Samuel L Jackson's was better than Coulson's yeah but i will say it it was but Coulson's was still pretty good it was really good it was one of the better ones i've seen 
I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought overall it was really, like, oh, everything... Well, I agree. I think the CG was great. The cat CG, uh-huh. from the real cat to the CG cat. Yeah. There was one where the cat's, like, being, like, cr- like blown he, up against... He's his, gravity against the wall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And... The CG, like the CG from that, he starts to fall down and it turns into the real cat. Mm-hmm. And I out loud go, oh my God, that was good. Yeah. Whoa, that was incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of really great practical effects too in this movie. The, there was a lot of practical effects and it was so good because, you know, they had the CG battle at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, you can tell what was going on, though. I agree. You <clears> can and tell. that's insane because in more, at the end of any superhero movie, even Wonder Woman, which is definitely one of the better superhero movies. The ending the, is terrible. Yeah, the, the ending, again, it's just like bad video game cutscene. Agreed. And so I agree with you on that. They chose the battles wisely, mm-hmm. um, but they also really used so many practical things throughout the movie that by the time you got there, you weren't CG'd out. Yeah. Like usually by then I'm just like, okay, if there's another like CG battle and there was a ton of wire work. Yeah. There was a ton of wire work. This, um, this is the rigging team, um, from like Dr. Strange, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mm -hmm. um, Iron Man three, like this is the same crew. So there's a ton of wire work in this, but there was also tons of car work. There was high work. There was the stuff on the train. I mean, it was insanely good. And it was so fun for me to see a lot of my LA people like left and right. This and is it probably was so one, of, good. one of the most name checked movies we've seen in a while for like, you were like, recognize that person. I know that person. Like the, that, there was more of that in this movie than I think there has been in any movie we've seen recently. Well, cause you could really see people yeah. and that was, it was, it was really, really cool. Um, I give this a high standard, um, a high, like a higher ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a superhero movie, so it's not like, whoa, that was deep. Yeah. You're, so, you're already going into it kind of, Let's be honest, biased against it, you know? Well, yes and no, but I also have to realize that we're not going to... It's not going to tell a story that's going to probably change my life. Mm-hmm. And the higher... Like, like Widows was higher ranking because it was rooted in this real reality, mm-hmm. right? We were telling these very real stories. But I really like this because I feel like Brie Larson really was able to tap into the human-esque part of her. And even though it was quite cliche at moments, Mm -hmm. but you had this, you could really see her making choices and things landing with her. Yeah. And that was really powerful as opposed to like a wonder woman who isn't human. Yeah. Like she is, but she's really not. Yeah. And I, and you, when you see Carol decide to not only be Carol, but to be as powerful as she is, Mm -hmm. it was really impactful. Oh, absolutely. Um, and this movie had, in our theater, there were a lot of like preteen and early teenage girls in there, and I was so happy to see that. I agreed. Know? And there was, a, I think, a lot of people our age because there was some really good 90s jokes. Yeah. And it was pretty phenomenal. So here's where I want to really give this movie like high marks for mm-hmm. um, is it did, it did certain things that actually did sub- uh, circumvent my expectations. Oh, like how so? So for one thing, the first time she lands on Earth, she lands in a blockbuster video. She blows up a cardboard cutout of True Lies. She picks up a VHS copy of The Right Stuff. And in the background, you see just like a bunch of video rentals that the blockbuster used to have like that. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like, okay, this is just going to be nostalgia, the movie. 
they pretty much got all of that out of their system immediately. So like after ha- little glimpses of no, it here but, and there. No, right. No, but like in an, that's in a natural way. Like she's wearing a nine inch nails t-shirt the whole, almost the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like they're focusing on that, you know? Right. Um, also- I think the funniest joke in the movie is when they put in the CD-ROM. Yeah. And it had to upload. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone our age just started cracking up laughing. And they, they didn't make a joke of it. Yeah. They just let it live. It was great. It, it was just a moment that went on too long in a comedic way. And yeah, it, was it, it was, that was really good. It was great. Um, also, because whenever I first saw Ben Mendelsohn, I was like, oh, I wonder if this guy's going to be the bad guy. And then he kind of was, but then, spoiler alert. Spoiler, that en- spoiler, spoiler. That ends up being different than you think it would be. Yes. So they really, they, they still gave you a twist, but got the twist that you were expecting out of the way early. I, I agree with that. And they, and because twists don't live in these movies extremely well. Yeah. Because it, I mean. It's like watching Law and Order. Oh, do you think this, the celebrity guest is going to be the killer this week? Yeah, bump, bump, bump. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time you see it, you're like, man, I've not seen that soldier before. And re- reality check, that's a stunt performer who showed up for a couple days. You're correct. They are going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I agree with that. And th- I'm by no means saying this to reinvent the wheel. I didn't come up with it, but I totally agree and I'm totally on board. I am so grateful that she didn't have to be in this love triangle. Yes. They just let her be and they let like a really true woman to woman friendship live. It didn't like Jude Law didn't have to hit on her. Like it was like, oh, thank you. It doesn't always have to be that. Yeah. Well, like and even Wonder Woman, which handles the romantic interest better than most other superhero movies do. uh, Because I mean. For one thing, they actually had real chemistry together, too. That, too. Um, but, like, that still had, like, there was still the love story in, behind it. And in this, she was like, I am too busy to get a crush on anybody. Well, but it's not even that. She doesn't even have to be too busy to have a crush on anybody. All right. I, that's not how I meant it, but I hear what I said now. It's just, why does it, it doesn't. We don't always all fall in love every single day. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman didn't have to save the world, or Chris Pine's character didn't have to, spoilers, fly the plane into the, you know, like kill himself mm-hmm. for her to deeply care that he died. Yeah. It wasn't necessary. Having the jokes of chemistry and her being like this wonderfully hot Amazonian, okay, sure. Like she, I mean, the Amazonians were also not supposed to be all that attractive Mm -hmm. so it didn't have to be that yeah even though that is the suit that she wears um but i just don't think come here bear um i just don't think that it's just necessary we have a lot of dude movies Mm -hmm. where that they don't fall in love with someone yeah yeah even james bond had a movie where there was no love interest in quantum of solace yes no no love interest and it doesn't mean you can't have moments where you're in awe of someone and maybe that's part of having a crush and being in love is mm-hmm. being in awe of someone. But you can also just be in awe of them and you can also be impressed. And um, I'm just like, if we can do this for all the the male-dominated movies, we can also do it with our female-dominated movies. Totally, no. And I'm in full agreement with you. And I want to clarify again that... Uh, I heard how what I said came out with, she doesn't have time to have a crush on anybody. That's not what I meant, but I totally hear how it sounds. So sorry about that. Um, I also appreciated the the person who told her to smile. She stole his motorcycle. Yes. That was des- deserved. 
Exactly. And she stole it while wearing a Nine Inch Nails shirt, which I just love, you know? <laughs> By the way, I told you this in the theaters, but um, so because that was part of her costume, uh, Marvel actually reached out to Trent Reznor and was like, do you want to have a, do you want to kind of co- co-sponsor a piece of merchandise? And so on the Nine Inch Nails website, you can buy a t-shirt that has the Nine Inch Nails logo over the Captain Marvel logo. Do we need that? I don't know if we need it, but I love that it exists. We might need it. I look. I looked it up the other day. I don't think they make it in a guy's shirt, so I think I'll just have to get the logo, and you can get the cool one. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. Like. And like you said, going back to what we liked about the movie, um, story wise, it's a superhero movie. Like it's you. Super, like you said, yes. it, ha- it has a baseline. If it hits that baseline decently, then you know, that's better than a lot of other movies might be. Agreed. Um, but the way that they handled parts of the story, I thought was really good. Um, like we said, how it circumvented uh, some of my expectations, how it didn't just wallow in nostalgia, which they could have easily done because that's a very in vogue thing to do. And I mean, yes. I, I I love Stranger Things, but I know why that is as popular as it is. You oh, know? agreed. Um, oh, it's only twenty five dollars. Yeah. Well, we may just have to uh, business expense that. Um, yeah. It's actually, it's not all that cray-cray. No, I mean, it, it's, it actually looks pretty classy, you know? Yeah, it's pretty simple. But, I mean, for Nine Inch Nails, which is their whole aesthetic is, what would a serial killer look like? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say, and this is also, I think, why I don't give this movie higher ratings, because I really did have a good time, mm-hmm. and I really didn't roll my eyes. No. Usually... That is a huge thing for Jessica. Yes. Um, I didn't roll my eyes, because, um, one, this was a really grounded movie, um, overall. Yes, it's another origin story, and that's sometimes, like, like, we've seen so many origin stories at this point. Like, it's not... Used yeah. to be an origin story. Used to be something interesting. At this point, like we just saw another origin story yeah. in Glass. You know, like it was an or it was an origin trio of yeah. stories. Um, or it was actually what I actually feel is that Glass was actually the precursor to X Men. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't think about it too hard. I mean, honestly, I am a thousand percent down with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, because because you can see after that happened that it immediately goes into this the scene in the first X Men where they're in the Senate and she's arguing for mutant rights. Just saying. Yeah. It's it's yeah. I, I'm totally I'm totally down with that. And as far as I know, M Night Shyamalan isn't in the kids, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm cool, also fair. I'm cool with M Night Shyamalan starting the X Men universe as opposed to Brian Singer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, please see Danny DeVito singing a song about not touching children in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, just, just watch the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia called Frank's Little Beauties. <laughs> um, um, but I will say the thing that doesn't give me, doesn't allow me in a way to give this movie a higher rating um, is simply because it is so entrenched in the Marvel world that everything, like it was like, oh, that's, Ronan from Guardians, except that I said it was pre-goth because it was '95. He just had to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, he hadn't he hadn't uh, found a hot topic yet. Correct. You know, those very '90s it was becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that everything had to go back to something, and that the end of this movie is like catching up for Endgame, as opposed to uh, like the first Thor, the first Iron Man, the first Avengers. It, yes, we all knew it was going to be connected somehow, but the first Thor 
just ended like a like a movie. It had a post credit sequence the way that the other ones do. Yes, but it just kind of felt. I don't. It just everything feels so entrenched. Here is my thought on that, and I agree with you to a point. But I thought that this one handled it a lot better than it could have. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, as far as the origin story goes, another place where it kind of circumvented my expectations is that. You know, it starts off with her already being a warrior and getting ready to go on her mission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, like, whenever, after she gets captured, you th- they kind of lead you to think that it's going to go back to, like, you know, her flashing back to her origin. Yeah. And then they kind of pull the rug out from under you there. And at first, it took me a second to grab onto that. But then once I did, I was like, okay, I'm in sync with this movie now. And you find out her actual origin as the movie goes on. So it's not like you're sitting there watching Bruce Wayne's parents get killed again. That's that is completely fair. They did it in a in a different way. It, yes. It flowed it flowed a lot better than an origin story could have flowed. Agreed. Um as Agreed. far as the entrenched in the Marvelness, I mean, this is the 21st Marvel movie. So I, well that's kind of my case in point. Right. But what I'm saying is that to me, this felt closer in tone to watching like the original Thor. Uh, I agree with that because because this movie could have been just so full of references. Yes, but but like the only reference that I felt it kind of had to reach for was having Ronan the Accuser in there, who was the villain in uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, uh, that one would pretty be hot topic. Yeah, that one would be easy to miss if you if you weren't pretty familiar with it but everything else like you know nick fury is just a character who shows up in these movies so you so you're ready for him to show up at any time so that's not quite so bad uh you know agent colson yeah that that was definitely like a this movie didn't have to have agent colson's first mission in on it you know it didn't Um, but that i wasn't mad at that uh my only thing that i was just like i like that that's funny was finding out why nick fury wears an ipad that is that is funny we won't mention it here no um but i will say that this movie could have been so full of references and they they could have done something where it's just where like it's like we can't handle this go find yondu and (laughs) you know it could have it could have totally been that and there was even a moment in there where uh where this is spoilers for a year old movie at this point, but they were like going through frequencies and you saw an outline of somebody you're like Darth Maul. And I'm like, well, that might have made a hell of a lot more sense than did in Solo. <laughs> I know. I did think it was funny. I literally was like, Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> I know it wasn't right, but boy, did it look like it. Yeah. But, um, but like to me that, that twist and that reference in Solo felt very forced in. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm more of a defender of Solo than I am, uh, somebody who hates on it. Um, I didn't think it was great, but I enjoyed it and it's on Netflix for free and I'd probably watch it again. Um, but like this one could have been full of moments like that. But for me, the moments that it had were like, okay, well they've kind of woven that in the story pretty easily. And then they saved the big one for the post credits. Right. Which we'll save to talk about. Yeah. So you can enjoy the movie on its own terms. I I thought it did a good job of allowing you to enjoy the movie on its own terms. I do. I, I completely agree with you, but I think maybe my bumness comes from when we were leaving the theater I we you know we like we say and we always say we check in being like what's gonna be the tone do you mm-hmm. hate it do you love it that's the only thing we're really allowed to talk about yeah do you like yes no because um, it just gives us an idea of how we're gonna talk about it um, and I brought up that um, I loved this movie mm-hmm. I um, I really I like I really had a good time I can see this being in my arsenal um, for example I love Wonder Woman 
I have not bought it. I hate the end. Uh, it was, I was teaching in North Carolina this past weekend and I was like, Wonder Woman, sweet. It was International Women's Day. I was like, sweet, I'll watch it. And it was the end and I changed the channel. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. I openly wept when the, and I've talked about this so many times, y'all, uh, in the first big clock tower fight. Yeah. And then her, Where she storms the, storms the trenches. Um, was sitting next, I went with a bunch of stunt women and Tang, who's a stunt <laughs> man, but he's absolutely wonderful. And so it was the ladies and Tang. And, uh, oh my God, that'd be such a good band name. <laughs> the ladies and Tang. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and I was like openly weeping because it was like the most badass thing I'd ever seen. And I'd never seen something that badass before that was just a woman. Granted, I wish it was, you know, yes, it was set in the time it was. So there was a bunch of men, but it was also like, oh, she can only be a woman hero if she's fighting a bunch of men. But that didn't happen in this movie. No. She was fighting women. She was fighting men, but she was also fighting women who are also really, really strong. Uh-huh. Um, and I did mention on the way out of the theater, I said, the bummer thing is, is they, this is movie 21. We've had how many years to make this movie? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I'm glad they made it now rather than never. But this is also um, why I'm, I am personally very anti-Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're making it. I am not a producer. I have no say. But I'm really... I'm, I'm not excited to see that because at this point, Black Widow is lump in, love interest numero uno. Um, it's probably going to be another origin story, so we're going to get a lot of time in, in Russia. Which, which, I mean, they basically already made in that Jennifer Lawrence movie, Red Sparrow. Yes, which <laughs> wasn't great. I didn't even see it. I saw parts of it. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so, so it's going to be Black Sparrow, mm-hmm. the movie, and we're going to have to watch, like, we're just going to see everything we've already seen from Black Widow. Yeah. You know, and the best, her best movie is that first Avengers. Yeah. Where she's still kind of a spy, but now she is very much an Avenger. She's very much the, kind of feel like the heart and soul of the team. She's always been an Avenger. She's never gone back. Mm-hmm. Granted, Nick Fury did save her yeah. from being a, a Ruski spy, but... At this point, I, I hope there's more to explore because these are people, so there's always something more to explore. But I don't want to see her fall in love with people. They, we've, like, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I, I just think we've waited a long time for these things, and so I really appreciate what what this movie did. Yeah, I I agree with you on the Black Widow movie. I mean, we'll end up going to see it. Yes, take my money. You'll take it anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think it all depends on how unique of a filmmaker they get for that one. Yeah. Because you know, like the the people who directed this, it was co-directed, and of course I don't have their names in front of me right now. Uh, they did some movies that I would have never thought would have led them to a Marvel movie. They directed yeah. a movie called Half Nelson about thirteen years ago, which was Ryan Gosling's. Uh, first Academy Award nominated performance, uh-huh. uh, where I think he was a drug addicted teacher. Oof. Okay. Um, but but their career ultimately led them to this, which I think is great. And I think that one reason why they made this this movie felt unique, you know, it kind of felt like what a lot of people loved about Thor Ragnarok, even though I know your feelings on that. But it was mm-hmm. like a unique movie that kind of had its own legs. Yeah. Um, 
I think that because and they had Taika Waititi for that one. Yes. Uh, and he's a unique filmmaker who has his own legs. Yes. With this one, even though these guys didn't come up doing like you know low budget action movies or anything, uh, they were unique filmmakers. They had their own legs. Uh, the story was co-conceived by Nicole Perlman, who was the one who uh, really brought Guardians of the Galaxy uh, ready to go. You know, James Gunn rewrote that script, but she was the one who I think, I think they. Well, she's the one who plopped it on the table. Yeah, well, because the story with her is she was a part of the Marvel screenwriting uh, seminar, not seminar, but like it wasn't like a school, but it was like a program. Oh, okay. Um, and they were talking with her and it's like, well, you know, what if we give you this, 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 or this? And I, it was probably just all like really female centric superhero movies. And she's just like, no, I want to do this. And she plopped guardians down on the desk. Rad. So, you know, as for everybody who loves guardians, I still love the first one. And I think the second one's okay, but it's telling that I've only seen it once. Yeah. Um, but like James Gunn gets all the credit and he deserves a lot of that credit, but she doesn't get enough. So I'm I am putting a line in the sand and I'm saying thank you, Nicole Perlman, for having the foresight to yeah. see these things through. Well, and I like what you said too, that these directors haven't come from a an action centric background mm-hmm. because you could tell. Yeah. But what so this is what great filmmaking is. So we have these this co direction, which is really hard. Jordan's done a few movies in the past year that were co directed. Mm-hmm. And I and we we help each other out on a lot of our uh, of our work, and I just the communication with more than one director is really tough. Right. When you have two people who have equal say in something like that, it does make it hard. You know. I mean, I imagine it's a lot like what parenting would be like. You know. But like for me, for me, when I'm, for example, when I'm helping Jessica out on something that she's directing, I'm really acting more as a producer, which is okay. Creative vision. She she gets her way creatively. It's just my job to help her facilitate that and catch things that she might not be seeing. Yes. But I'm not there giving actors notes. I'm there if I see, like, you know, a movie that I recently worked on as a producer. You know, I very much stayed out of the way of the director's. Um, but there was a moment where I was where I was like, this doesn't really ring true. So I pulled one of them aside and I said, hey, this is coming off like this. Keep an eye out for that. And I let them go back and do their own thing. Yeah. Um, um, but I go through that long rambling story to say that co-directing is hard and I think that these yeah. guys have pulled it off. So the reason that I'm bringing that up is you've got these two co-directors who don't come from an action-centric place. What they did really smart is the reason that you see a second unit director, they're still directing, but it's action-based. And they brought in Jeff Haberstad, who comes from Iron Man, won the Taurus Award for that, um, for the, when the plane crashes and you have everybody going through the air. Yeah, the skydiving scene. The skydiving scene. That was practically done, everyone. Yeah. That was real. That was, was like something like, what, 13 jumps or something like that? Uh, something crazy like that, if not more. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, the, so the second unit director for this is Jeff Haberstad. He did Iron Man 3. He's done the rigging for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, Spider-Man um, was the was the stunt coordinator for the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah, you all know Jeff Haberstad's work. All know it. And um, and then the, the team for that, there's Hank Amos, Walter Garcia, um, Jeff Ch- James Churchman. Um, all of these fellows and know their job this is why when you see all those names in the credits everybody stay for them because everyone's job if it exists in a movie if a job exists it's because it's needed so you can what i really did like about this is that you have these directors who have a completely different feel 
and really let the action sing. And they allowed that these stunt teams to really do some cool work. Yeah, well, and like the sign of a good director, even if they're not known to be like an action director necessarily, mm-hmm. like, so the directors for this movie were uh, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. So this is the first uh, female-directed Marvel movie. Yes. Which is great. Um, but, you know, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea that it's just like, oh, they just handled the emotional scenes and they have somebody else do the action. Like, the, I can't remember which female director it was, if it was Ava DuVernay or Lexi Alexander, I can't remember. But somebody went in for a superhero movie and they were like, well, we want you to get all the emotional stuff and we'll take care of the action these stuff. Don't worry about that. So, yeah. because they were like, basically they were told, well, you're a woman, so we know the action isn't going to be great. Right. Um, but I think with the strength of these directors is that, yes, you know, the second unit director handles and the stunt coordinators handle a lot of the fights, but the buck stops with the directors and they have to know what they want. And this felt like a very strongly directed movie. So this felt like a very strong collaboration with everybody involved oh, in every department. I agreed. I agreed. And I know um, there's a big car chase scene. And oh, there's yeah. a real, there's some great wrecks in it. It reminded me of the wreck from uh, A Simple Favor. Oh yeah. yeah, there's some really good stuff in that, and um, like a train chasing and all this, and it really felt like a well, it was really well directed action, um, and that is usually it comes from the directing team. And the second unit director is part of that. So mm-hmm. this is a really good example of a movie that really had a team that spoke in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, and I think of just overall a real it's just a really job well done. Yeah. Well, before we take our break cuz we are going to time. Yeah, we're going longer. Okay. But let's I mean, and that's okay. I think if by this point in our podcast life, people know what they're getting into, right? <laughs> but uh, before we start cuz we're going to start talking about a lot of spoilers, let's talk about the music. It was lovely. Yeah, so the the soundtrack, like the song the song selection was really good. You know, it's yeah. very 90s. Uh them them using uh them using No Doubt during one of the big climactic uh, fight scenes was great. I'm just a girl. Yeah. As soon as I heard that guitar riff, I was oh, like, yeah. I literally, like, I, I felt like I sat back in my chair and I was like, this is gonna get real. Yeah. Like, I just knew it. So, like, my, my like, 90s childness, like, exploded. Yeah. I was so happy. But it wasn't... As uh, to me, it, again, Jordan, you mentioned that it's not soaked in nostalgia, right? So there was really good glimpses of '90s music, but it wasn't soaked. Well, in and it. here's the thing: is that Guardians gets to gets to have the Marvel claim of having like the really quirky, cool pop rock soundtrack. Yeah, I am so glad they didn't try and Guardians this soundtrack, which they try to Guardians everything. So I'm really glad they didn't. Right? Um, yeah, you know, you know who tried the Guardians a soundtrack and failed miserably? Suicide Squad. Ooh. You yeah. burned. Yeah. No, no, you're 100% right. Um, but the score, the composer, is a composer named Pinar Toprak. Okay. She is the first... Somebody let me know in you know comments or something if I'm wrong, but she's the first female composer for a superhero movie. That's insane. Yeah. And the second one, I can't remember who it is, uh, but is coming later on this year for the Joker movie. Uh, directed by Todd Phillips. Yeah, I don't really have any desire to see that. We'll probably go. We'll probably do an episode on it. But I think it's cool. Who's playing the Joker? uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, no. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I love the fact that there are female composers getting to do something that's... (laughs) Sorry, I hit Jess. So we just watched... (laughs) 
So we just watched a Joaquin Phoenix movie. Uh, yeah, we just watched You Were Never Really Here. And so all I can think is like a fat joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he play and You Were Never Really Here. He plays uh he plays a war veteran and and he looks. He, yeah, he he let himself gain weight. His beard is all scraggly and gross. Oh yeah, they're like there's like that really scraggly like over neck beard. Yeah, Oof. yeah, he's very neck bearded. Yeah, uh, you but, can't tell the difference between like his hair, like head hair and neck hair. It's a lot. Yeah, but um, she, but he is really good in that movie. But still, he's a great actor. But yeah. like, oof. But anyway, so back to... Uh, uh, back to the amazing composer. Yeah, back to Pinar Toprak, which I really can't wait to listen to the score by itself. I agree. Um, she, she got her start with Hans Zimmer. Um, you know, she worked in the music department for a lot of his movies. Okay. Uh, he, she worked at uh, Remote Control, which is his, uh, his company, like where a lot of people get their start. Mm-hmm. Um, he recently... Uh, Posted, uh, reposted a picture of her on the red carpet, I believe, and basically was just like, you are about to hear her name everywhere. I don't want you thinking that she got this just because she's a female. She got this because she put the work and the hours in, and I could not be more proud right, of her. because she's fabulous. Yeah, but I love the fact that he said that. He's like, I could not be more proud of her. That's you so know? cool. Um, but she also did the, she does the music for the show Krypton. Um, okay, I don't know that show. It, it's um, like, it's basically like pre-Superman stuff. Oh, okay. Um, she is does the music for Fortnite, that video game oh, that's everywhere. Okay. Um, I'm looking through to see if there's anything else that we might know. I mean, she's got she's got a really good IMDb, like a really solid IMDb. I'm not as familiar with it, but she works and she's really good. And Get it, Queen. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what she does next because. This was uh, this was really good, and she just so happens to look like a supermodel too. I so, love it. Yeah. Um, I, what I liked about the score is that it gave you what you normally want in something epic. Um, you know, it definitely had the moment of like, da-da, like you had like those orchestral moments. Yeah. But um, it gave you what you expect and what you usually hear, but it wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, no, I really liked it. I thought that it blended the electronics and the orchestra a little more smoothly than Aquaman did, for example. Uh, I can see that, yeah. Um, I thought it was rhythmically really diverse, mm-hmm. um, and I just I just thought it, she did a great job with it. I agree, and I I I look forward uh, to hearing you listen to this one. Yeah. Um, it's It seems a little bit different, but I also think the music editing for this is pretty stellar. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like soundtrack, soundtrack, soundtrack. It was soundtrack blended into score, and um, I, I think the music editing for this was quite phenomenal. Yeah. Which Academy members, they're different jobs. Yeah. <laughs> editing and all of those things are different jobs. Yeah, <laughs> you you hear like the anonymous uh, Academy members how they vote. Uh, I think Rolling Stone used to do that, and literally all of them I read was just like you know I they're first of all whenever they talk about music and sound they're always like well i know more about this than a lot of people think i do and then it's like okay you don't know anything about this <laughs> you know anything about uh, it. and but then they literally will follow that up with being like well i just vote for the same movie for sound editing and sound mixing right not not the same the same listeners if you would like to know better than some people who vote for the academy awards the difference oh you know what we should do an igtv on it we should he's gonna say it better but the kind of this started off like mixing is levels and editing is cuts, but you're gonna do it a lot better than me. Okay, let's say you're in, you're watching a war movie. Yes. And all right, Saving Private Ryan. Great. 
Yeah, Barry Pepper, the sniper, who yes. quotes the Bible while he shoots people. <laughs> uh, he's on. <laughs> Just putting it that way is very. very I, funny. I know it sounds like he's a serial killer, but <laughs> <laughs> but so he um, so you have the sniper shot. Yes. When you hear the sniper shot, and you close your eyes and you listen to it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't sound too loud, doesn't sound too quiet, uh, it sounds like it actually came from that type of gun. Like, it's not like a little pew-pew, and it's like a big howitzer gun. No, it's bang, 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 bang. <laughs> no, Kenny, go, don't go pew-pew-pew. <laughs> uh, if you close your eyes and listen to it, that sound mixing. Okay. If you open your eyes and you watch the same shot happen, and that sound happens exactly as the rifle kicks back, that's sound editing. That makes sense. Yeah. The, I mean, that's the best way to, th- to think of it because gunshots have to be super, super precise. Yeah. Um, which whenever I did Home Away, that was the hardest part about the sound mixing. Yeah. Um, well, and when we had all the n- war noise in the background yeah. and yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you know, at a small, at a smaller level, which is how I cut my teeth, a lot of sound design ends up being really more sound editing. Because yes. you're just choosing effects and layering them places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it looks like it matches up, then that's sound editing. If you think it sounds really cool, that's sound mixing. Yeah. I think a re- another really good movie where it all blends together is uh, Chris Nolan's last war movie. Dunkirk, yeah. Holy moly. Christopher Nolan with, with sound, he loves it to be a barrage on your senses. Yeah. And that's that's a criticism that he gets a lot, especially with Interstellar, because there's a spoiler alert for Interstellar. Um, <laughs> a little late, but yeah. So there's the scene where Michael Caine dies, and he tells Jessica Chastain that uh, that he knew that there was no way that her father was ever going to come back, but he knew that it, sending him out there was the best chance for humanity. Right. Um, and as she's walking away, the soundtrack gets really loud and the sound design gets really loud and then you can't finish hearing what he's saying. A lot of people were, I remember seeing people be like, there's no reason you shouldn't ever hear the dying man's last words. But Nolan's response was, if you just had a bomb like that dropped on you, you stop paying attention to the specific heard, words. You wouldn't have heard it. And with Dunkirk especially, the sound design and sound editing, sound mixing, it was intense. It, it was, was great. It, it, was, it was fantastic, but it was intense. Yes. So... Yeah, listeners, we've given you our behind the curtain. Yes. At 45 minutes, should we go ahead and take a break? <laughs> I think we should take a break. Um, but also, just to say this out loud, we always encourage you to get to the theaters. And uh, for a listener reached out to us and said, listening to this podcast is getting my butt in a theater. And Biggest compliment ever. That is why we do spend time with you all. And because the theater gives you that sense and unless you have a 5-1 surround in your house but that's not even as good as it is in the theater you can have like a Dolby package I mean um, as we finish the studio we're gonna have Jordan's actual mixing speakers as our listening speakers but Mm -hmm. it's not the same as a movie theater yeah and I just just I encourage you um, especially for Captain Marvel this is a really well done movie yeah. technically. Uh, we were in kind of like the forgotten theater in the movie theater that we went to. Yeah. So did it sound low to you? Maybe. Like sound too quiet? Now I've I've learned from my mistakes with the Predator and fi- and understand that this is likely a problem with the specific theater. But I will because the, the mix itself it all blended together great. I wish that everything was just a little louder. It might have been. I mean, we were in the back theater in the corner, so yeah, maybe. And, like they. It's the stereotypical movie theater of like, oh, they haven't mopped this floor in seven years. 
<laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break, little bitty tiny commercial, um, and we'll be right back. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't want to go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back? You need to check out Rock's Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rock's, R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code DATENIGHT, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code DATENIGHT for 15% off. And welcome back to Date Night at the Movies. Uh, we are here talking about Captain Marvel. So, um... We haven't even touched on what we thought about Brie Larson, who we are both on record on this podcast by saying that we are vocal fans of. Agreed. Uh, what did you think of her turn as a superhero? I thought she was great. I did too. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't either because she's a powerhouse of an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen Room. God. Room, it's one of those movies that should be a lot harder to watch than it is. But like, I could literally watch that movie once a month and, and be okay. I don't know if I could do that, but there's a, if you've ever read the book, it's, all of it is from the little boy's perspective. Uh-huh. And the beginning of the movie very much is. And the movie captures the book in its own medium, which to me is what makes a successful translation from, from book to movie. It mm-hmm. shouldn't be the same. Right. But um, Room is one of the most successful I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and so there's a little boy. And acting with children is very hard. Mm-hmm. And the, the young boy, this young man, is phenomenal. And that means that she was in, an impeccable partner and the directing team was incredible. And so Brie Larson, even though she you know isn't alone most of the time, she is acting with someone else, she is carrying a great deal of weight and d- makes it seem like you're just watching someone's real life story. Yeah. It's, she's an incredible actress and she's in, she's, I mean, she's kind of been taking the silver screen by storm over the past, like what, mm. 10 years I'd say? Yeah. I mean the first, I know, I think she started off and I could be wrong on this. She started off as a Disney kid. Um, I think so. I mean, I, she's I, been, know she, I know she was like a pop star uh, when she was younger. Okay. Like, like Hannah Montana age, that type of thing. Okay. Um, but, but as far as like the fir- mainstream actress. The first place I knew her from was Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, that was a longer time ago. Yeah. Well, she, that was, God, that was about nine years ago now. Cause oh. we, that was one of the first movies we saw when we got married. Okay. Well, what I will say about Brie Larson as this character is she didn't have to be tough. I believed that she was a scree, 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 scrawl, scrawl and Cree. Cree. Yeah. Um, those are so made up. Mm-hmm. Um, Cree. <laughs> it's that Rick and Morty joke. What's the name of that campsite? That sounds like somebody, uh, gave up halfway through naming it. Camp Flabanaba. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, she allowed, those were different parts of her. 
and the different parts of her being. And I thought that was cool. Um, it wasn't just all, and please don't think I hate on Black Widow, but it wasn't all just like Black Widow. Right. Well, and here, here's the thing, and maybe this is a difference between Brie Larson and Scarlett Johansson. And again, I'm not hating on Scarlett Johansson. And she's done some really good work outside of the Marvel stuff, too. Agreed. Um, I just think Black Widow's written very poorly. Right. Well, uh, I'm going to say something that I'm going to have to remember to bleep it out. Okay. Uh, I saw somebody. Uh, I saw somebody post something on Twitter the other day, which was, you know, here's a writing challenge: Aaron Sorkin and Joss Whedon write a woman you don't want to. F- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Firefly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, I think one of the big things. So like, Black Widow. I, and I think this is the way that they wrote her and the way that she was always been directed is like, you know, you're strong and you're tough and you're, you know, strong, silent type. And sultry. Yeah. But it kind of ends up coming off bland sometimes, which isn't fair. No, and I, I, I agree with you that I just think that's how she's, she's like Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. I was just drawn this way. Exactly. Exactly. Confusing feelings all around. <laughs> uh, and all right, that was around fifty-three minutes. I got to bleep that out. <laughs> um, but uh, I think one of the biggest accomplishments in Brie Larson's performance uh, from a, the dramatic side is the fact that it doesn't feel like she's ever putting on airs. Right. She, it doesn't feel like she's like you know. Well, I have to be strong in a man's world. It is just naturally who she is. And the moment at the end of the movie when, because like you've seen the flashbacks of her like you know crashing the go kart and getting pushed around for being a girl and you know whenever she was in the U.S. Air Force Academy, and at the end of the movie where you see the rest of those scenes where she gets up and that's where she like decides to own her power and stands the f up. Yeah. Oof. I mean. To me, we talk about earned moments all the time on this podcast. That is the golden standard of an earned moment, I believe. Um, Just everything about that. And it's something I think that, you know, whenever you first see those flashbacks, you expect that that's going to pay off immediately, and then it doesn't. So, but... But you kind of have that in the back of your mind. Like, they did a really good job of planting the seeds of you being ready to just be like, yes, as soon as she does that. So, I mean, I I loved that moment. And I think that she performed that well. Again, because it's not like she was putting on airs where she was like, you know, well, I've got to be a woman in a man's world. Uh, Right. It's just who she was. She, I, I believed that... Carol Danvers or Vers or Captain Marvel, Veers. Veers, I'm sorry. However you want to, however you want to call her throughout the movie, I felt like that was just that character being that character. I agree with you in that, and even just the moments where she's when she discovers that she can fly. Friendly reminder: If you're new to the podcast, welcome to the second half. Spoiler territory. Right. At this point, we assume that you've already seen the movie, or you're just in general fine with it being spoiled. Right, so, hey, spoiler territory. Um, when she discovers that she can fly, mm-hmm. and even though she, like she's saving the world, she has moments of pure joy. You know, this is a woman that in during her time there were not female fighter pilots, and real quick side note on that. Yeah. So apparently, so they consulted with the U.S. Air Force a lot on this movie, uh-huh. and apparently, one of the main consultants was the. First female Air Force fighter pilot. That's insane. Yeah. That's insanely cool. Yeah. That's what I wanted to be. I know what you did. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. 
I just, I don't I don't see how you would have handled the authority though. Well, if I I always say like so people say that to me all the time, um, but if they were gonna let me fly fighter jets, I probably would have bottled some of it up. Mm-hmm. Slash, probably been the person in trouble a lot. Yes, I would have been like Maverick. <laughs> yeah, I would have been Goose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Goose in this movie was awesome. Right. I, I, so and keeping with the time frame of it, I loved that they named him Goose. I thought it was perfect. I thought so too. This, the moment they said it, I was like, that's awesome. I can't remember. What the, <laughs> I just read what the cat's name in the, in the comic book was. Um, and it's something similar to another movie or character that's been out recently. Um, I'll see if I can. What find do it. they call him? Like a, fl- a flirt float. Uh, a flabanaba. No, a flabanaba. I keep wanting to say Floridian. I know that's not right. Um, let's see. I'm wikipedia this. So take anything with a grain of salt. Right, uh, cat, Captain Marvel. Yeah, um, which the twist uh, on a the flurkin, a flurkin. The twist on the cat was hysterical. Yeah, was hysterical. Um, but talking about the Air Force and talking about Brie Larson, her fighting to become who she was and to take a very dangerous mission because they wouldn't let them fly. Um, just there's a lot of like really cool things, um, and that was the part of the origin story that I really enjoyed. Yeah, real quick. Yes, the cat's name in the comic books was Chewy after Chewbacca. Okay, Goose is great. I, I like that they. I'm went not with mad Goose. at it at all. Yeah. And what what was the creature? Uh, it was Flurkin. A Flurkin, which apparently is an alien that has a dimensional portal inside its body. Well, obviously. Yeah. I told I told you the Tesseract was still in there. That's right. Um, um, no, one of my favorite moments in there, and I, I wasn't sure if this is going to be one of your favorites or not, is whenever, spoiler alert, stop, I'm going to have to stop saying that. Sorry, guys. Yes. We're in the territory. Yes. Jude Law becomes the bad guy. Yes. Um, and at the end, like, you know, he realizes that, he realizes that he's, um, he can't fight her with the pistol because she has all these powers. So he puts it away and he tries to goad her into a fight and he's like, prove yourself, prove yourself. And she interrupts him by blasting him into a rock and she goes up to him and she says, I have nothing to prove to you. Yes. I thought I loved that moment. I I deeply connected with that moment. Yeah. I deeply connected with that moment. Uh, And I believe, and if you want to talk about feminist commentary, women are still hired and still told they have to prove themselves. Yeah. If not getting hired was enough. Right. That women in the workplace and daily life still have to prove themselves. You have to prove that you can be a working mother. You have to prove that you can be a stay-at-home mother. You have to prove that you've made all these life choices just because you're female. Yeah. And she's right. She doesn't have to prove a damn thing. And I love that. And it didn't feel cliche. No, no. And again, earned moments. This movie is full of earned moments. I agree. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think mine's going to stay at almost a four on this one. Just just because I don't see it going down. Because even for, like we said, the baseline story of this movie, we've seen it before. It's a superhero origin movie. Yep. Uh, But it's kind of like, okay, well, what are you going to do with that? And I think that they, they handled it very well and it felt like a solid piece of filmmaking it felt like there was a genuine vision behind it i agree and the action told a very clear story mm-hmm. it didn't get muddled you could really see people's faces what did you think of her as a fighter in this movie well her stunt double 
There's there are parts where you like see her yeah. face and stuff. You do see her face. No, because here and here's the reason why I didn't ask that. Ask it that way, Miss Stunt Woman. Well, her for the so I can say it. Uh-huh. Her stunt double's name is Renee Moneymaker. Yes. And Renee's sister Heidi Moneymaker is uh, Char- uh, Scarlett Johansson's stunt double. Right. The reason I didn't ask about what you thought about the stunt doubles is because. As this conversation between you and I talking about this movie, which we're just inviting everybody else to listen in on. Welcome. We we know you and I know the difference between the stunt doubles and the actors. But right. but you can you know, they may have amazing stunt doubles, but you can always tell whenever it's the actor trying to fumble their way through yes. the fights. I um overall thought the the what she did do was great. Uh-huh. And I feel the same way for Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um what she did do was great. There's moments though, she's a weird runner. A little bit, yeah. She's a weird runner. And that's always, whenever I stunt double someone, I one of the first things I do is like peer out of the corner of my eye and really watch how someone runs and walks. Uh-huh. Um, stunts isn't just moving or fighting or falling down for that person. It's really kind of getting into their feet and getting into their body. And you have to understand the character too. Yeah. Um, there's been several times with um, one of the, I was stunt doubling an actress in the fall on a TV show and we were together for a long, long time Mm -hmm. and we had to talk about a lot of different movements and her choices Um, because there was times where I just had to move like a stunt person. Um, I was getting dragged against the floor. I didn't consult her how she would have done that. Mm -hmm. The stunt coordinator told me how he wanted that done. So, But we had lots of conversations how to move but Brie Larson, I thought, for the most part was a solid mover. Um, I think... I, ha- I mean, the great thing about these big, 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 big budget movies is they have a lot of rehearsal time, mm-hmm. and I think they probably use that very well. I know that they were they rehearsed at J.J. Jim in Van Nuys, uh-huh. which is my second home in L.A. Well, and that's, uh, so Jeff Haberstad, second unit director on this, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry, his sister, who you've worked with for years. That's, years, that's and one J- of my closest friends. I mean, Jerry Jerry and her whole family are just great. They are the, oh. Yeah. Yes, and if you are interested, the, the Calvins in, are just awesome people. Yes, and uh, her husband Jack is a like world class, some level of juggler that I don't know what it's called, but we um, saw we saw their act at the Magic Castle, which was just great. Yeah, he's incredible. Like he's a look up the Calvin family. They have an amazing uh, show that they do t- as a family, and they mm. won the Gong Show last year. That's right. Yeah. Um. So that all to say they, that I feel like Brie Larson took her rehearsals very seriously. Um, her stunt double, it really looked like it was just one person. It was incredible teamwork, mm-hmm. which is also lovely when you're shooting for long times. Yeah. Like even getting to work with an actress for a month, um, you really, I, it was much easier to uh, for the show I'm talking about in the fall. By the end of that month, I didn't have to ask Willa things. Yeah. I understood a little bit more where she was coming from. Mm-hmm. Do um, I need to bleep out the name, by the way? No. All right, cool. No, it's on IMDb. Sweet. We're good. Um, but I think I think she did great, but there was a couple times when she was running, and I was like, no, oh, I wish somebody had told her her legs bow out and yeah. lift your hands a little bit, look a little bit more athletic. Yeah. But um, overall, I thought, really great. I loved that she wasn't a non-existent stick figure. Yeah. Um, which is one of my problems with Guardians. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe a lot of that. Uh-huh. Um, not that she was really muscular. Do you know who was like my favorite two characters though? Who? Monica, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Trouble, yeah, and her mom. Yeah, 
So apparently, Lieutenant Trouble ends up becoming a superhero in the comics later on. Aww. So they, so they, I get the feeling Aww. that I was wondering if maybe they're going to introduce her in Endgame as her as her superhero, the little girl. Yeah, because this takes place in '95. Oh, touche. Yeah. So, so she's a full full grown woman at this point. Yeah. And what was the mother's name? Uh, other than awesome. Yeah. Um, Let me pull that up. This this so this this character was Carol's best friend, and this uh, their dynamic and their chemistry as friends, um, especially as I've become a you know grown ass woman, um, my friendships with my girlfriends are really what make me tick and. This felt like a true friendship, especially for someone you go into battle with. Mm-hmm. Like I think of my friends, especially my girlfriends, who I feel like I do this battle of life with. And especially if it's a friend who knew you with a small child as a single mother. And, and you know what I did like? We didn't need to know why she was a single mom. Exactly. We didn't need to know. She just was and didn't matter. So real quick. So Monica later becomes... Uh, she was. She's one of the Captain Marvels because in the comics there have been a lot of different oh. Captain Marvels. They all used to be men too. Uh, and Interesting. Carol Danvers used to be known as Miss Marvel. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, Monica later becomes the leader of the Avengers, uh, and she uses the code names uh, Photon, Pulsar, and Spectrum. F- okay, um, that that all makes sense. I want to um, read this real quick. This oh. is just this is about uh, her mother Maria Maria yes. Rambo Rambo yes yeah, but it's Rambo B E A U so not like yeah it, I love that yeah which there's a new Rambo coming out is there yeah and it's still Sylvester Stallone yeah of course it is well I mean those steroids have been good to him <laughs> and that's not me like trying to like do Hollywood dirt or anything but literally look at the man in the mid two thousands. And then look at him when he did the fourth Rambo movie. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. Yeah, no judgment. Okay, but this is all from Wikipedia. Again, take it with a grain of salt. But this is about the casting notes on on Lashana Lynch, who played Maria Rambo. And she was so good! So, one of Danvers' oldest friends and fellow Air Force pilot, who she goes by the call sign Photon. She's a single mother to daughter Monica. Lynch described Rambo as resilient and somebody that you don't feel like you need to help. Larson called Rambo the representation of love in the film and an incredible badass. She described the friendship between Danvers and Rambo as equal, with a playful competitiveness and mutual respect. Like Larson, Lynch met with active duty airmen in preparation for the role. In particular, she met with pilots who were also mothers. Lynch was excited to play a character the audience would be proud of and could relate to, especially mothers and members of the black community, helping to continue a quote, and I quote this, a real through line for African-American characters in the MCU after Black Panther. Oh, I love that. Right? I love that too, she, like, for audience members to feel proud. I was proud to watch these women on screen. Yeah. I didn't, they didn't feel sexualized. They put them in clothes that looked yeah. good on them. And I want I want to make this note too. As a guy, and I'm wired a certain way, and I well, tr- you're a heterosexual male. Yeah, um, they didn't have to be sexualized for them to just be hot. And the women in this movie were hot. You know, I I've always had a thing for Brie Larson. Uh, Lashana Lynch was very very attractive, and Annette Bening looks great too. I mean. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But 
the the character Rambo, I mean, makes a huge choice in this movie uh-huh. to go on the mission of her life and possibly help save the world with her best friend. Yeah, like one of my like I've got really really good girlfriends and. Right now, I feel like I'm making an empire with one of my close girlfriends in work. Uh-huh. It's one of the proudest things I'm doing. Yeah. Is creating an empire with one of my girlfriends. Have fun, honey. No. I, I, I know, know. I know. I'm going to push I, you out of that chair. I, well, it's not going to take much for this chair. <laughs> Touche. I need a new chair, bad. <laughs> no, no. I know exactly what you mean, and I feel the same way for you, too. I can't wait to see what you guys do with what you're doing. But that all to say, before I was interrupted. <laughs> before Jordan was being a dick. Um, is... That she had to choose between that and her child. Yeah. And her child. And I felt like that was a deep representation of what what a lot of women do every day. You know, I want to point out a couple of things about that scene too. Mm-hmm. Where they asked where they asked Maria to go along with her. It wasn't like this big, like, you know, now the strings start swelling up and it's like, well, no, I can't because I have a daughter and like this big emotional moment. It was just like, no, yeah, no, I, I have, I have Monica. No. And then it was Monica who was like, mom, you need to go. And what I loved about that is a, that was very, her response to that was very realistic thing. Which oh. is just like, no, I've got this person to take care of. And then her daughter was like, because that was a moment where it's just like, no, mom, I know you're a badass and I know that you do these things. I want you to go do this. So th- that was just a moment that I really liked in the movie. I also love it too, because up until a certain point, we do think our parents are superheroes. We think that they're invincible. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing this young girl see that in her mom. It never occurred to her that her mom wouldn't come back. Yeah. Her mom would come back. But that was Maria's reality. Yeah. And she risked, I mean, everything to then save other families. Yeah. And so just the the state the, re- the reveal of that, the scroll families, oh. that was great. And again, hats off to Ben Mendelsohn. He he gave an A plus performance in this movie. Oh yeah. And his scroll wife. Yeah. Or whatever that relationship would be called. Uh-huh. I don't know. And and their daughter. I love the moment at the end whenever, you know, the Skrull family has survived. And they're at uh, Maria's house. And Monica's playing with the daughter. And then they hear, they're saying something like, you know, uh, oh, it's Ben Mendelsohn talking about wanting to just go back as the human that he was disguised at at the beginning of the movie. Just like, I like being his blue eyes. And then Monica talks to the daughter and is just like, you know, no, you have such pretty eyes. Don't ever change your eyes. Like, that was just such a nice little moment. I agree. And that's social commentary. Well, yeah. And it's similar to, I know we haven't watched it, but A Wrinkle in Time. Yes. um, Which is still in our Netflix queue. We just unfortunately didn't get to go see it in theaters. Yes. Well, and that's one of my, that is the book. So before I went into the arts, I was a STEM girl. Mm -hmm. I was into science and math. Yeah. And, um, which I still am. (laughs) <laughs> I spend a lot of time doing science and math to this day. Yeah. Um, just in a different aspect. Um, that, that book is what got me, what changed the course of my life. Right. Um, and it still does to this day greatly influence me. Um, so I can't wait to see a wrinkle in time, but, um, yeah, I think, I think the whole idea of a lot of what this movie said 
it had layers. Well, real quick, where I was going with the Wrinkle in Time oh. um, is there's a point in there, and I saw Ava DuVernay talk about this on Twitter, where somebody at mentioned her and was just like, I loved the moment in this in this movie where, uh, what's the little girl's name in a Wrinkle in Time? Nope, just left me. Um, but either way, like, because she, she's, you know, mix, she's mixed race in this movie, mm-hmm. and like she's struggling with her hair, you know? Uh, Which is a huge thing in yeah. the African American community. Well, and that's what Ava DuVernay said. She was like, Meg. Me- Meg. She was like, that was a conscious decision to have Meg struggle with her natural hair, and I was disappointed more critics didn't pick up on that. Agreed. Did you know in, I think, 2019, some. <sighs> yeah. There are states that finally got rid of the law that people can have their natural hair. And that is aimed. It's that's an, that's a racist that's yeah. a racist law. It, it is a racist law. And, and I, it, are we have they all gotten rid of that? Is that why it's been back in the news or is it back in the news cuz it's still there? I don't remember that. Some part of states it. have gotten rid of it. Good. 2019. So if you watch Captain Marvel and you don't think this is drenched in social and poignant commentary? Yeah. You you, you obviously haven't really watched the movie. There's one moment in there you know, I'm going to be brave and I'm just going to say it. There's one moment in there that really comments on Israel and Palestine. Yeah. And in a way that a lot of people in our area might not enjoy. Yes. And um, we, if we lose lose listeners, I hope not. Because again, um, we've talked about, uh, like when we talked about Vice, that we hope this opens up a dialogue mm-hmm. with our listeners. Um, I know what you're about to say and I want you to say it. Yeah. Um, because I agree with you. Yeah. But you don't have to agree with us, and that's where we really hope that there's a dialogue. And make sure you see the movie and really hear her say it, too. Like, Jordan's going to tell you, but hear her say it, too. Yeah, but basically where they're talking about these scroll are being... You go through the movie thinking that they're terrorists, and you find out that they're all just refugees, and they're being targeted and murdered because they want a place to live. And... The way that they phrase it, and I'm not going to do it justice because I don't have the quote in front of me, but the way that they phrase it, whether they meant to or not, and I have to think that they meant to, is... I'm, this movie felt very purposeful. Yeah, I, I immediately thought Israel and Palestine. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into this, even though I'm not ashamed of my views on that. I just don't want to turn this into a super political podcast. Of course. But I thought that, and it's like, it, it just, A, made sense, and it made sense like I was being hit by a train. Well, it was people looking for a home. It's Palestine are people without a state. Yeah. They don't have a place to call home. It also made me think of uh, the people of Washington, D.C. That's taxation without representation. Yeah. There's people in our own home turf that aren't represented. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think there was even, I can't remember, but there was a line in there about a wall, too. Yeah. So, like, it's very poignant. It doesn't beat you over the head with it, but if no. you if you are paying attention to current events and the way that a lot of our world leaders are not behaving in a way that we should, and you should still be allowed to support a country and still say that they are behaving like terrorists. Um, but if you are paying attention to that at all, you know where it's coming from. And I, that's another place where I really want to give hats off to this yeah, movie. Yeah, and I like it, too, that... It's very, very easy just to call people terrorists. Yeah. It's really easy to do that. Now, 
there are bad guys. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, let's not let's be real with ourselves. There's good and evil in this world, mm-hmm. and th- th- and that exists within the same country many times. Yes, and yeah. so it's really interesting. Um, I, yes, you can think of this very lightly, but it really hit home. Um, so I, I yeah, I agree with you. I was gonna make a point, but it left me. I'm sorry. Oh no no, don't be sorry. Oh shoot. Oh, I felt very very. Dang it. Don't you hate that? Oh, yeah. Like, you, like, are like, ooh, I'm going to kill it. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of veering towards the... I think we liked this movie. Yeah. We're going to start talking in circles. So we definitely want to... Don't want to, you know, do that. Um, let's talk real quick. Let's end on... Because we just got really heavy. Yeah. Let's end on some lighter things, a lighter a lighter recap of the things we liked about this movie. Okay. Um, Brie Larson. Loved, I love how many and, times she said woohoo. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked her full costume too with the mask and the mohawk. I did too. Um, I honestly, she makes me more excited to see Endgame now. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're the best. I do what I do. Okay, so you had talked about that hopefully somehow, somewhere, we can find out why Carol Danvers didn't age in like 20 plus years. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. What I want to know, so she looks almost the same, but she looks mad. She looks... She comes back and isn't the same glowy... No, Captain she, Marvel that she left as. Yeah, I want to know what she's gone through. Well, and here's what I like, which we won't probably find out in Endgame. No, no, no. But what I like about what they did with this is that I'm actually really excited to see Captain Marvel too because, you know, so much of what we're talking about, like they played a trailer for Spider-Man: Far From Home, and we were like, you know, well, is it before or after Infinity War? And I'm just like, the cynic in me says it's after Infinity War. And I went, yeah, I just agree, and that's not the cynic in me; it's just how I feel. Yeah, but they can do a lot of Captain Marvel movies without having to be slaves to what happened in Infinity War, right? Because she goes to another universe. Well, and there's 25 years between that and Infinity War. Yeah. Um it's like Wonder Woman painted or the DC universe and they painted themselves in corners in a lot of ways. Yeah. But with Wonder Woman, they really painted themselves in a corner because uh um again, they have the sequel coming out next year. Yeah. But like basically they have Wonder Woman show up in World War 1 and then she goes through all of that and then in that universe, according to what Batman v Superman laid out, Wonder Woman's been underground just being an art dealer for a hundred years. And it's like, you know... Why would they do that? But it's like, where was Wonder Woman during World War II? Where was Wonder Woman during the Holocaust? Things like that. So what I like about the way Marvel did this is that, A, it's only 25 years, so it makes theoretical sense. B, right. they can leave themselves to still have some fun with some nostalgia callbacks. And if they handle it the same way that they did in this one, I'm on board with it. And see, like, they, it doesn't have to be so beholden on did it happen at this point or did it happen at this point? It's just like, no, this is just another story of something that she experienced. Right, because she goes and goes somewhere else. Yeah. Like, and when Fury pulls out in in, uh, in Infinity War, pulls out that, like, special thing, she made him. Yeah. Um, we all knew what that was doing. We all knew why that was there. Uh-huh. Uh, but the little end credit scene, um, it's them getting her signal when she comes back and she looks mad. I, I love that the only thing she says is, where's Fury? 
And and it goes back to what you're talking about. She's not a love interest. It's not like what happened to little Nick Fury, my love. It's just like, where's my comrade Nick Fury? Yeah. What have you done with him? Because she doesn't know who these people are yet. Has no, and she doesn't care. Yeah. She will. She will kill every single one of them if they did something to Nick Fury. You know? Right. Um. So I'm really excited about that. The last thing that we always ask ourselves is, do you recommend this to others? Before we do that, oh, can we need to give a shout out to Stan Lee's cameo? Oh, I can't believe we haven't talked about it already. Yeah, Stan Lee's cameo. First of all, I loved that scene because that was the train stop I used to get off when I worked my corporate job in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. They filmed the beach scene in Manhattan Beach. I used to go run there all the time. Yeah. Uh, that train stop, the second they had like the caged sidewalk, I was like, I've been there so many times. Yeah. Um, and that's where I hustled uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, I was there on set when they were doing a lot of those car scenes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it's right there. I almost parked at your job. Yeah, <laughs> if I if I was still working there at that time, you could have gotten away with the uh, guest with the guest. Yeah, parking. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no. So Stanley, he's on that train that I've taken so many times, and he's rehearsing his lines for Mallrats. Which, for those of you who've seen Mallrats, you know Stanley is a character in that movie. Yeah. Um. So that also that also if you. Just try not to overthink that because Stan Lee's played 20 other characters and this is the first time he's ever been Stan Lee. But I love the fact that Stan Lee's last cameo, unless he filmed something for Endgame, I don't know if he did. I don't know either. But at this moment, Stan Lee's well, last... Well, Endgame, he probably would have filmed it... He, I think it, he would have filmed Captain Marvel yeah. after Endgame anyway, I think. But, all right, well then his last cameo was as Stan Lee. Agreed. I just, I just think that's great. And Marvel opens it with this whole montage. Yeah, cuz the Marvel him. logo it all like it spells out Marvel but like you know behind them it's always like flipping through the comic pages. Yeah. This time it's 100% only pictures of Stanley. Yeah, and thank you Stanley for letting us all let our geek flag fly. Yeah. And that those of us who like counterculture you know, I didn't start liking things like this until I was a little older anyway, mm-hmm. but that people can can let their nerd flag fly and people don't have to be ashamed to read comic books. Agreed. And then, and at this point where Captain Marvel takes place, you would have just been like, "Oh, so you're uh you're a dateless geeky loser because you read comic books." That's what the way it was in 1995. Right. And now you can be that but cool. Mm-hmm. And that would not be anywhere without Stanley. Yeah, we live in a we live in a world now where we all know Vin Diesel plays Dungeons and Dragons, and that's great. He does. He is a huge D and D fan. That's amazing. Remember that movie he did a few years ago, The Last Witch Hunter? Yeah. He had somebody write that movie based on his D and D character. Stop. Yes. Stop. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, I didn't know that. That's awful fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you, Stanley. Let's have 10 seconds of silence. All right. Well, thank you so much to Stanley and may you requiac in pake, pache, and pake, pache. Oh, I ruined it. Anyway, um, would we recommend this movie? So what I will like to say mm-hmm. is, um, when I think of that, I said earlier, I don't have Wonder Woman in my arsenal. But if we ever had a daughter, 
this is the movie I would show her first, Honest, no matter what. Honestly, I'm fine with if we have a son showing them showing him this movie first because he needs to know that strong women are awesome and don't have to be sexualized. But also, if this becomes this is normal, this movie should be normal. Well, I think that's how we help the next generation normalize it. Yeah. You know, let, let's show them the Tim Burton Batman when they're old enough. But this one, too, it's also family friendly enough to where I think you could show it to a young kid without scarring them. Well, it kind of felt like the incre- watching The Incredibles. Yeah. Like, I love seeing Elastigirl be awesome. Yeah. What I liked about this, too, is that it didn't... Sh- Nobody was sidelined for the sake of making a point. Agreed. The men in this movie were... Phenomenal. The, yeah, the men in this movie were phenomenal. I mean, again, can't say enough about Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, of course, is awesome. But he was better than normal. Yeah. Like, he wasn't bitter Nick Fury. Well, and that's one thing that he, sa- that he said going into this, is he was like, I'm excited to get to play him as a different character because he hasn't been jaded yet. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, but agreed. Like, yeah. But, like, they're equal partners in this, you know? Yeah. Um, Ben Mendelsohn, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Captain Marvel, and Maria Rambo, they're all equal partners in what they're accomplishing. And so, like, yes, to me, this is very much a feminist movie, which I say is the most positive thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also an equality movie. It's... Yeah. And if any... Like you said, no one was sidelined. Yeah, and if anybody gets offended by this, I mean, of course, I know men's rights activists are the weakest people in the world. Yes. But if anybody can rationally get offended by this, I don't think you're actually thinking rationally. Yeah, this was a great movie. And yeah. I really, I think my favorite thing was watching F- Nick Fury deal with the cat. Yeah. You know, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- that, I loved it very much. Yes. And I'm not, you know, we're not even going to say uh, the twist with Nick Fury and the cat. We're just not going to say oh, No, no, no. We're going to leave that. Because some. Of, I do know that some of you just listen to this to the end and then we'll go see the movie. Yeah. We will save some things. We always save things for you. Don't worry. But um, I'm going to do a hot take here. Hot take. Hot take. I'm going to leave this movie at a four. Oh. The more I talk about it, the more excited I am about you it. You just threw down, my friend. I did. You don't have to, you don't have to match me. I'm, we're, not playing, we're not playing poker. No. Uh, but I'm going to do a hot take. I'm going to give this movie a four. Because... The more I talk about it and the more I think about it, the more excited I'm getting about it. Yeah. I liked it because it didn't just fall in a bunch of tropes. Yeah. Um, I will probably keep it at a three and a half because... Because uh, it's a superhero movie. It, well, yes. But I also think they should have made this 15 movies ago. Yeah. Um, but I'm like I said before, I'm glad they made it now. Uh, yeah. I mean, regar- regardless of hindsight or anything like that, I'm glad they made it now. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Kevin Feige. Uh, the producer and the mastermind behind the Marvel movies, basically. Yeah. You know, he started off as an assistant. That's insane. Yeah. And very quickly, like, I don't think he was the main producer on Iron Man. I can't remember when he came into it. Uh, maybe well, Iron Man was a young, young time ago. Yeah. But um, I want to give a shout out to him because I think that he listens to the criticism that Marvel movies get. And regardless of any fatigue that we have with the genre or anything like that, I can always tell that he is trying to let these movies be as good as he can as he can allow them. Agreed. You know, he didn't he didn't this movie doesn't feel like it was hamstrung at all. Uh it felt like it still had some real creative vision and I like the fact that again, 
first female director to do a Marvel movie. Yeah. Not superhero movie, because, I mean, at the very least, we have Patty Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman. Or, yeah, and then uh, Lexi, Lexi Alexander, Alexander did who did Punisher. Yeah, which, again, that movie is a very niche movie. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. It does not get the credit it deserves. Oh, I agree with you. And I... And you know, Lexi Alexander. I mean, she's done a lot of really good movies. She did. Uh, she did a movie. This was before her Punisher. It's called Green Street Hooligans. Some, and I think in some places, it's just called Green Street. Mm-hmm. But it's basically about like a gang of like football hooligans in <laughs> uh, the UK. And it's actually a really good movie. She did a. She did a Christian movie on Amazon as well. Weird. Yeah, or or you can find it on Amazon, and like that's definitely not her her viewpoint at all, which I, I haven't watched that, but I kind of want to be like, how does an atheist Palestinian woman do a Christian movie? It's beyond me. And like, apparently Christians love this movie. Uh, awesome. And, and she also does, she's done a, directed episodes of like Arrow and Supergirl. Yeah. I want to see her get a movie like this now. I, I think it's about time. I agree. And I will be first in line to go see it whenever it does, because she's got a lot of talent and she did not get her fair shake with the Punisher. Yeah. Uh, and, if you ever listen to How Did This Get Made, uh, they brought her and Patton Oswalt on to talk about Punisher Warzone, which isn't the Thomas Jane one, uh, but it's such an off-the-wall, crazy movie. Uh-huh. But her thing was uh, she didn't want to do it initially because um, that was right after Virginia Tech, the Virginia Tech shooting, mm-hmm. and the guy had a Punisher poster in, in his dorm. Oh. And so eventually she got, you know talked back into doing it and she was like okay I want to do this like the comic book and her storyboards were literally pages from the comic book and she made it look like the comic book and then people somebody some review said Lexi Alexander should go to prison for life for her violent imagination and she talks about it on that on that episode of how did this get made that that was before Marvel really had the power that they do now so it was mostly Lionsgate and she was like and Lionsgate didn't really do any favors so uh she got sidelined really early and she's an Academy Award nominated filmmaker and she needs to get her shot again. Yeah. So that all being said, because Jordan could literally sit here for the next hour talking about Lexi Alexander. Yes, I'm such a fan. Yeah. So with that being said, um, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Captain Marvel. If you haven't gotten your booty in a theater, go. Go see it. Go. And this is definitely with the soundtrack and the sound editing of this film, uh-huh. which now you know a whole lot more about that. Um this is one that really pays off to see in a theater. So when you do see it at home again, you will have that experience. So this is definitely a theater must see. Yes, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're back in the months where we got some movies coming up that we are really excited about. Woo, woo, woo. So, uh, so, so make sure you join us in. If you haven't subscribed, yeah. now let's do this because summer blockbusters, y'all, are around the corner it starts now and you guys know that we're not super excited for all of them so that's still gonna make some interesting episodes yeah we're again well and this is in october but we're gonna go see the joker movie i have no idea what that episode is gonna sound like not thrilled <laughs> um we're gonna go see endgame i'm honestly almost not thrilled to go see that one with you <laughs> <laughs> they they best kind of curb some of my expectations yeah I, to be honest because right now i'm calling it 
I'm, I, I'm calling how it ends, and I want to be wrong. Here's my thought on Endgame real quick. Pre, we, we are all pre-gaming Endgame, right? Pre-gaming. Shot, shot, so, shot. So you know how we talked about with uh, Fantastic Beasts, is that we are willing to forgive it if the next movie is great. I Okay, yes. Infinity War is the same. Well, that that's exactly what Except I was... Except I'm a little bit more judgy of it. Well, I totally understand that. My thing is that... In the moment, in the movie theater, the ending of Infinity War got me. I realize one of the reasons why you have such a grudge against it now is because that feeling wore off really fast. Manipulated. Um, I was manipulated. If they can keep an emotional payoff with that somehow, and I'm holding out faith that they can because they're smarter filmmakers than that, but they do have to live up to that. And that's the thing. Like, yes, Grendelwald didn't, I didn't feel so betrayed. (laughs) And Infinity War, like, yeah, it hit me for a second, but then I did. I literally got outside of the theater, and I was like, wait a minute! I, I will, you know, and I don't disagree with you, even though I don't land on Infinity War where you did. Um, I will say that going to see Infinity War and seeing the snap and what that meant, Yeah. I will say that there aren't too many fictional narrative movies that hit me the way that did. Yeah. At, even at the moment. And there's something, regardless of what you feel about that, there's something to be said for something that makes you feel that punched in the chest, even just for a moment. Okay. So we're going to stop talking because, uh, I mean, I think we're on a roll here, but... I know, we could go on forever, but we have more episodes coming up. We're so excited. Um, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and you don't even have to have Stitcher Premium, folks. Y'all, this free. Yeah. There's no paywall. Um, please check out our sponsors, um, and you can listen to us also on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Um, we also love reviews. Yeah. We, we read them. We read and we respond to reviews. Um, we're also now getting, you've been following us on Instagram. We're getting our Twitter back on on game now. Yeah. I'm still holding out for that one guy who has at DNATM to delete his Twitter account because he's never mm. even tweeted anything. Yeah. It's date underscore movies. We don't, it's the worst. We don't love it, but look out for hashtag DNATM on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Um, and we do have discussions on, on Facebook. People do ask us things and we respond. We love talking to people. That's why we do this. Yeah. Um, and uh, your movie going experience, we love, we love that. We, I mean, we go on vacations and we still see movies because movie theaters are cool. Yeah. And we, we want to keep the movie theater experience alive. When, when we go back to LA, I don't even know if it's still there because they were talking about closing it down. We should see if the Vista is still there. I love the Vista. The Vista is this great, it's a single screen movie theater in Silver Lake. Yeah, and the outside. Um, it's really art deco. It's super art deco and it's like what you, like what was in old movies, what movie it, theaters look like. It looks like a movie theater that would have been in LA Confidential. Uh-huh. Um, and the inside is just beautiful. They have pillars and curtains and it's statues. So and um, That's where Never Hike Alone premiered. Yeah. Oh um, no, that was they premiered at. Yeah. Anyway, that the L.A. premiere of Never Hike Alone was there. I worked on a short film. Uh, I don't think it was AFI. I can't remember what program it was, but they filmed it there after hours. I love it, and, which is great because the seats are super like the, yeah. the space between the seats are super wide, so yeah. it was really easy for them to get like dollies and stuff yeah. in there. Yeah, um, it's but, a great theater, and actually, it's one of Jordan and I's dreams is to open a movie theater like that. We want to, yeah, we want to open up our version of the Vista. Yeah, yeah. Um, ugh, I know where I want it to be too. Yeah, ugh. 
dreams, dreams, dreams. Um, if you guys happen to win the lottery and you want to give us some money to start <laughs> this up, you know, we will, you know, we'll give you a special shout out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for all of you who come with us every single week. Um, do us a favor. I know your mom probably doesn't know how to subscribe to podcasts. Click on that little icon, yeah. sign her up. Make sure that you are still like getting the automatic downloads as well, if you don't mind, because that actually, like, I know it sounds like we're just sales pitching right now, but that actually does help us, you know, because yes. we, we, we do, you know, the way that this podcast grows and the way that we're able to, you know, get more sponsors and keep this thing free for you is the more subscribers and downloads per episode that we get. Yes. Um, also, if you can rate us on iTunes, you know, again, get it, get us wherever you can get us, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, wherever. But if you can review us on iTunes, that would actually help out a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really big help. And if you're still listening at this point... This is our longest goodbye ever. I know. It's really saying thank you because this is a joy to do. And this is what we do anyway. Yeah. And we're really excited to bring you along with us. And this is... Um, if you know us personally, you know what our schedule is like. This is a labor of love, and we have filmed, we have recorded this at ungodly hours because we know we need to get it out, and we spend a lot of time on the road, and we make these things happen because it's important to us. Um, so thank you for coming on this journey. Um, but please, please subscribe and review. It really, really is a big help. And you can also review on, if you really like an episode, let us know because it actually helps us tell what movies you are seeing mm -hmm. and you want to talk to us and with us about. And if you don't let us know that, it's, you know, sometimes we're shooting in the dark on movies that you might be like, why are they doing that? It, yeah. I mean, if it was up to me, like, we would just go see all these really weird horror and art house movies. But <laughs> More Mandy. Yeah, yeah, I would do Mandy. You guys want to do just, like, a year of Mandy? Let's do it. I'm on board. I don't. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, like, you know, and that's one thing. We realize that superhero movies tend to get a lot of uh, response, so we try and hit all of those, even though they're not our favorite genre. Yeah. So, thank you again, and... Have an amazing week and go see a movie. Yeah, we'll be back soon uh, with some... I mean, I'm just excited about some more future episodes. Yeah, I agree. But you guys have fun and we will see you as soon as possible. Bye, y'all.